This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The hateful eight is over. And Ipswich go head-to-head with runaway record-breaking leaders, Leicester, and get themselves a point in response to that disappointing Elland Road drubbing. Welcome to a very Christmassy Blue Monday podcast. David Diamond, is it possible to deserve a point, but to get it in the 92nd minute with a shot that takes two deflections? <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wasn't it? It's about, about time something like that happened to us, wasn't it? Is it about time? Um, someone posted on our Telegram chat earlier, they thought that the last last minute goal of any meaning or to get an equaliser was the Fleetwood incredible deflection of... Oh. 13, 14 months ago now and the dimmer distant past in League One. So, um, yeah, it was um, much needed on the night. And dare I say, I think on our second half display, richly deserved. Joe, it's a difficult one to analyse, isn't it? Because when you come away from a last-minute equaliser, you tend to have a bit of confirmation bias with what sort of happened. Um, we'll get into the minutiae of the game. How did you come away from Portman Road feeling? I thought we fully deserved the point that we got there. I, th- I think it would have been unjust had we lost that game 1-0. I think it would have been a, not a travesty, but I think it would have been unfair had we not picked up a point out of that game. And it would have been really frustrating having sort of put in a poor performance on Saturday against Leeds to then lose again and sort of lose back-to-back. And then all of a sudden the big pressure's on the squad, isn't there? Absolutely. And welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Merry bloody Christmas, everybody. What? uh, Actually, let's quiz the two guys. What day of the week is it, you two? Tuesday. No, Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Wednesday. A Christmassy Wednesday. If you are in the chat on a Christmassy Wednesday, um, welcome. Get your views in. We'll put as many of them up on the screen. We'll go full Q and A. We've done Christmas. We've done the hateful eight, so you can give the stream a lovely big thumbs up. And um, if you're listening after the fact, we appreciate you. And Dave, a guy came up to me and said hello yesterday. He said, Ben, you don't know me, but I'm Kev, 
the guy who way back in the podcast bunker days used to work a night shift and would request that we would upload the podcast. Oh, yeah. oh, so wow. let's, say, let's say hello to Kevin. Let's say happy birthday to the one, the only, he's uh, with us, but no longer with us, Harry from Effin Bath. Someone we're going to be set with. Do you want to do, Joe, do you want to do Morsi or Scarlet? Um, I guess Scarlet, he seems more up my street on that side of it where you've, we spoke about his loan spell on Sunday, how it's sort of been badly managed from Tottenham with regards to holding on to him too long, playing him in the League Cup so that he's cup tied and missed sort of any chance to get into the team. And now we're in a position where he's effectively still our player. We could probably do with a striker, but he's now already gone back and he's going to not be here for the FA Cup game next Saturday where he would have got a start in the game. And it just seems it's just been a total failure of a loan move, really, hasn't it, for who's, one who's reason or another. Joe? Well, I guess there's blame to be a portion from all parties, but I don't think that t- Tottenham did him any favours by holding him on to holding on to him for so long and then giving him half an hour in a League Cup second round game, which then meant effectively he didn't get here too late. He then missed two potential starts he would have got because he wasn't because he was then cup tied for it, and and now he's going to go back in January to cover a few injuries and Son going away, and now he's going to end up not playing any football in the second half of the season, you'd imagine. Yeah. Realistically, you come in, Dave, this one split opinion. um, When it's, there's going to be a few, I told you so's in the chat um, about the Scarlet move, not working out. And Dave, we're going to get into some um, commentary from you guys on why having a striker over the next few weeks, hopefully a shorter period as possible is going to be absolutely vital. But sorry, Dad, cut you off. Yeah, I mean it's an odd one with Scarlett because clearly the clearly the um, you know McKenna rates him extremely highly given his previous comments and and Joe's right. I don't I don't think it's been handled brilliantly both sides, particularly Tottenham's side because you know as Joe said, why hang on to him so long and then why you know play him in the play him in the League Cup? So realistically, he'd have had how far do we get? He would have had three games with us plus yeah, chances are certainly Saturday week a cup game at cup game at Wimbledon. Let's face it, it's going to be... A, I mean, I know Spurs have had some injuries and Son is off, but um, um, but look, let's face it, he's not going to get any game time there, is he? Realistically, realistically, he's not. So, yeah, you've got to feel, you've got to feel sorry for the lad. Um, uh, with the happening... Well, we'll get on to the happenings of last night and why... Um, we'll, we'll get that in a minute, I guess, and why perhaps it would have been useful to have him around now. But... Um, yeah, I think I think as as Joe said, a bit. I'm going to say it, a bit of both, a bit of both from both sides, really. I'll allow it. It's Christmas Day. Yeah. I'll allow it's, it. You've gone back early, and there's not, not really been much comment about it from either the yeah. club or him as to why. Where effectively, he would if he was on the bench last night, he'd probably got 70 minutes if he'd have been on the bench last night, and two minutes on Friday night, and again at Stoke on Saturday. Um, mm. Monday, whatever day that is, and then he could be recalled because at the moment it's up to us. He's our player until the next registration window opens, isn't he? So we're we're obviously happy for him to go back, which seems mm. obviously tells tells a story as well with regards to how much we don't feel that we need or want him for the even the next couple of games, let alone longer term. 
it's another one of those, isn't it? In those little cameos that he did have as sub and stuff like that. It was a couple of things. It was against Millwall. He's really unlucky not to score. He's, you know, one of these lads, you know, needed a goal, any sort of goal. Who knows? That'd be yeah, giving West him the Brom lift. had a good shot, didn't he? West Brom. Oh, crikey, yeah, West Brom. Um, you know, who'd have been off and, off and running. But just for one reason or another, just just hasn't happened. For, well, obviously, Hurst's good form and the, and the style we play with Hurst as the, as the focal point there. That just, you know, just wasn't going to work for him. David. Sam Morsi has been given a one-game ban with immediate effect. Town's captain has been charged with a breach, and you're very familiar with this, Dave, with your um, profane language, of FA Rule E3, subsection 1, following our victory at Middlesbrough on 9th of December. That's a bloody bit of a blow, isn't it? Mate, that came just totally out of the blue, didn't it? Although I think, did you not say, Joe, that you'd heard some sort of whisper about something? Well, someone, um, someone messaged me saying that basically there's been an incident with Morsi and a referee, but, but he said it was after the, like in the car park after the Norwich game he'd been told. And, I, and we'd sort of concluded between us that that doesn't really make any sense because there's always fans out at that time. Somebody would have seen it if there was something going on there. But And then when it comes out, I looked at it and then it said the Middlesbrough game. So, yeah, it must have been something that happened up there. But it's when he got that late booking, which he shouldn't... No, it's for kicking the ball away. Kicking the, kicking the ball away. He sort of passed it to someone like 10 yards away. And it was never a, never a yellow. But now that yellow has become so costly for us because it's put him on a tightrope for mm. the last three games. It's, mm. it, or four games, isn't it? It's Watford as well. Put him on a tightrope for four games. He's ultimately got a one-game suspension from it, as is. And, it, and he's still going to get a two-game suspension at some point as well so it's really really bad news for us i suppose i suppose the other thing i, I guess if it, it, how it, how it's broken now i mean it could have broken just prior to christmas or something may well have missed yesterday's game and let's face it second half he was absolutely just, immense well goal aside he was absolutely mm-hmm. immense but shut, shut the office dave didn't they they're, they're only back in today so it, that's, it that's was yeah disconnect <laughs> we, we i remember in, in, in the dim old days itmu no no spoiler alert we used to disconnect the fax machine if there were claims <laughs> coming in and stuff like that you know usual practice really some disclaimer but um it was um no it is a blow i mean no disrespect to QPR. Fortunately, it's QPR. Rather in miss, I think, QPR at home, certainly than Stoke away, New Year's Day, I think. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, um, well, well, no doubt we'll get onto this later, but I'm pretty sure we'll see the Taylor-Luongo axis in there, I would have thought. When he when he missed uh, Huddersfield, I think Evans played in that game, didn't he? I believe he drafted in Evans for that one. He's obviously not available. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what way we go. But, yeah, as, as Joe quite rightly said, you know, even to miss him for one game, it's... Uh, it's 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 a it's a miss, but yeah, you know, like I said, um, chances are there is a chance, albeit we hope a slim chance that he may disappear with Egypt in January, and then, you know, you are left with um, perhaps well at the moment Taylor Luongo, Don Ball, so oh, and Humphreys as well. It has so we'll been see. Don Ball that's come on for him a sub in recent games, hasn't it? When mm. he's been going off a bit early, mm. it's been Don Ball, and almost like Taylor and Luongo are the left-sided player, and Moore's in Don Ball or the right, so maybe, yeah, maybe it will be Don, Don Ball. Ball. Mm. It That's felt like he was football. living a bit of a charmed life and getting away with it, didn't he? So um, as, much as, I, as much as I love him, it's caught up with him in the end, Dave. And, and Don Ball against his own club as well, which is be interesting, mm. of course. It yeah, has, you're, you're right, interesting. Ben. Yeah. Um, right, let's move on to last night. And obviously the context of this really um, went up, down, everything with... Leeds hammering us, but then at lunchtime, I'm sure we're all tucking into our leftovers and a gigantic favour from Preston, but then pesky old Southampton just 
Um, cruised in 5 0. We'll get onto this when we um, we'll, we'll look at it properly when we go through the results. So, certainly a big favour from uh, Preston beating Leeds, but the last game of the Hateful Eight run, which I'm, I'm worried about hyping this up because this can only end in us having some crap results in some easy games on, on paper. Now I'm, I'm bigging up the end of this, but was Leicester City at home. Um, let's bang through uh, your teams there. My apologies, FootMob doesn't seem to be working. I am on SofaScore today. I know lots of you complain when we change anything, even like a font heading on the podcast. So my apologies in advance for those people who don't like change. That's all of us. Um, uh, let's go with Joe then. Fadke, Clark, Wolfenden, Burgess, Davis. So Clark keeping that um, right back spot. And Tuan Zabe uh, steps out and Wolfenden returns. Jack Taylor in over Luongo with Morsi. Burns, Chaplin, no broadhead. Harness in from the beginning. George Hurst in from the beginning. Joe, I got 10 out of 11. Again, I had broadhead over Harness, but I got the rest of them right. Did you? Yes, yeah, same as you. I, but the, but we'd had a lot of talk in the um, Telegram group about whether Mar- Marcus Harness might be a better fit for this game because it was going to be a game where off-the-ball ability was probably going to trump on-the-ball ability. And I'd say it, by the end of the game, it looked a really smart decision to have played Marcus Harness because I could have, I think you could easily made him, if not man of the match, one of our sort of t- two yeah, or three very me. best performers. I thought he was excellent and just exactly what we needed in disrupting them playing out from the back. Um, right, let's do this. I never want to be patronising to our <laughs> listeners, but I heard some rather odd conversations on the Pioneer Concast, not with David Diamond, who I spoke to at halftime. Um, but let's just explain, Dave, what the Leicester team shape is when they're attacking and how you may or may not set up to defend against it, because this might be important when it gets to the goal and how uh, blame can be situational rather than football fans wanting it to be, right, I want to blame one player for this goal. Who can I blame? But So they're 4-3-3 without the ball, Dave, but essentially the goalkeeper goes into the back four, the right back goes in front of the back four, so that becomes a stretched-out back three with a two in front, and then basically... No word of an exaggeration, Dave. They get five up front and you can get plenty of stills of Mavadidi really wide on one side. Um, Fatawu, who defended Davis quite well, strangely, actually, didn't he? Uh, really wide on the other side. And Dewsbury Hall and Wilf and Didi, really uh, not high number eights, like number tens. Anyway, that's the and team they were, they were so wide as well, weren't they? Especially Dewsbury Hall. It was quite something to watch. I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, but, uh, Dave, let me just bang through. Uh, so, Hermanson, Pereira, who's in central midfield most of the game. Cody, Vestergaard, face with his cigar, his slippers, his frizzy hair and his dressing gown. Uh, Winks, uh, Jewsbury Hall and Didi, Mavadidi, Fatawu and Daka. Dave, your, your thoughts on that? In possession team shape and just the yeah, fluid, it, bloody it, quality of that election. Yeah, that is good, and they're very easy on the eye, particularly in the first half, as we said at half time. They're very um, fluid. I think is perhaps a good word. Um, very, very, like I said, easy on the eye in the transition. And um, yeah, you know, Fouts was having a lovely old time on the ball. You know, just getting the ball out of his feet and stroking it across to to his to his other fullback and stuff. So it was I think I think I read somewhere Vestergaard's had the most touches of any player. <laughs> in the championship again, but you know, there were signs in that, well, we get to go in a minute, but there were signs in the first half that they, they certainly could be 
certainly could be got at. Um, and I think, um, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly get onto that. But yes, um, certainly Faust didn't look that comfortable. The the two or once or twice when Burns did get a chance to run at him. So yeah, that's, they were certainly yeah lovely on the eye, easy in possession, but certainly not infallible. Joe, can we just set the context clearly here? I've been saying this all season. I say the same about Southampton, but Leicester even more so. This is not a normal relegated team, even for a year one parachute team. We normally get, Joe, teams that have circled the drain for a while and dropped down or teams that are yo-yoing. This is a team that's finished fifth in the Premier League twice in the last five years, won the FA Cup. If we go back a little bit further, they won the bloody title. And obviously in a sort of 18-year run, have basically accumulated a squad of players that are in the main worth 20 to 30 million. So it's a very weird team at one bad season in a weird outlier season where all three of the promoted teams stay up. Do you agree with my take on Leicester just being an anomaly for this division? Yeah, they, they looked on paper in the in the summer. They looked like they could be an anomaly when you looked at the squad. And now you look at the league table and, yeah, they were. You sort of looked at them and it's like, can they be as good as they look on paper? And well, they have been that and better when you look at the sort of flurry of records that they're knocking down by the week. And I say, you, you look at the squad, and I think if that team was in the Europa League, you'd expect them to get probably to the mm. quarterfinal of it, wouldn't you, when you see mm. the central midfield. Like, indeed, he was linked with Barcelona, wasn't he? And Dewsbury Hall looks like a player who should be playing for a top eight Liverpool. Premier League team. He's been linked that with, sort yeah. of team. Um, Mavadidi, sort of a funny one, because he sort of went, he went away to France, and he wasn't one that was mega highly rated. And he's come back, and I thought he's looked excellent. But, yeah, like, face is a... Belgian international, Vestergaard, Danish international. Cody was in England World Cup squads. <laughs> Harry Winks played for England a number of times and is They're like twenty a, England caps, Joe. Ten million pit. Yeah, that is a that is not a championship team, is it? That is a serious, serious quality team. And I say I think it's a measure of how far we've come that we really went toe to toe with them and we followed. It's probably the two best tacticians in the league, and we were. Like Dewsbury Hill was playing on the flank, and Jack Taylor was right out on the flank with him, leaving Sam Morsey with the whole middle of the pitch to look after on his own, which he did admirably. And yeah, but there were times when indeed he would run off Morsey's shoulder, and they seemed to switch those two because they seemed to notice he could get some joy on that side. And there was there, but I think we had our. It, it almost worked out that their left winger Mavadidi was their player that got free. And our right winger, Wes Burns, was a player that got free. And it was who was going to come up with a big moment of quality out of those two players, wasn't it? And obviously, spoiler alert in the first half, we know where that went. Well, take me through the goal, Dave. I'm being a bit facetious. We always defend everybody's right to have an opinion, whether that's on the show or in the in the, in the the chat. But I think um, there's a slight misunderstanding, if, if I'm not being patronising, about what was actually happening. Joe's categorised it quite well. Dave, when they were playing through and Hermanson setting up the attacks, genuinely, you didn't know where to shift your team and they were able to switch one side to the other. And just before the goal, Dave, two or three times, you saw if they pass through that first line of press and switch the play, mm-hmm. we are massively open on either side. And before you answer quickly, Dave, I said to the bloke next to me, what would Mick McCarthy do setting up against these wide players here? Where, where would the right midfield be there? And 
I'm quite pro what we're doing because I know what the alternative would be in the defensive setup. But Dave, talk to me about the goal. Sorry, I've waffled on. Yeah, I mean, it's again, there's some position around the back four. I think probably, I think probably Faust passes it, no doubt, to Vestergaard, who then finds Cody. And it's, it's a good ball, isn't it? It's a, it's a proper, meaningful ball. He drives it into, I think it's this, um, uh, who was, who's he driving? I'm trying to think. Dakar, isn't he? Yeah, Patson Dakar, I think, who spins. It's an odd one because he kind of spins. He kind of spins um, Burgess, but Burgess almost seems, he's not really tight to him. He almost seems distracted by, I think, indeed, who's perhaps just run off him a bit. It's quite an odd one. So he, he, I, I thought when I saw it in real time, I thought, bloody hell, what a turn that is. But it's not really, because sort of Burgess sort of like is half caught between him and Ndidi. And then you're right, yeah, um, we're very, we're obviously we're narrow. Clark has, Clark has followed a run inside. And as soon as the ball was switched to, um, is switched wide to Mavadidi, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's what well, he's on the apex, on the edge of the eighteen-yard box, left side. Just gets it out of his feet. Cleverly uses Clark as a shield, and bends it in. Hence, I won't say bends it in the far corner because I know you're going to not. You're not going to have that. But yeah, bends no, it no, in. No, no, Dave. Sorry, you've nailed it by saying he uses Clark to one side. Yeah, he does. So I think having watched it back, I was a bit cross at halftime, ladies no, and gentlemen, he... Flagkey. But having watched it back, Dave's totally right. He. Stitches like yeah, and you know Mavadidi's got that shot where he gives it the eyes to the far corner and then goes yeah, it's a quality, in the other corner anyway. It's, it's a quality strike. I saw the sky after I take I take the, recorded it and watched it on Sky. I've watched it back on Sky just really to see the comments on it. And Swartzel, Swartzel thought came across quite well. Having a goalkeeper summarised it, and he oh, basically great, yeah. yeah, he basically said he he said yeah he, he thought his starting position perhaps wasn't great. Perhaps he's with a mind that perhaps Mavadidi could, is so good he could go either way. He didn't want it to whip it inside the near post. So perhaps his weight favoured his right side. And by the time he took his shot, um, yeah, it was perhaps too late. And again, he used, he was perhaps unsighted by Clark. And also he said, perhaps in his opinion, um, Flecky could have gone with his top hand rather than his bottom hand. But I mean, I think they're just, I think they're small points. I think you just got to look at it. It's a very good goal, really. Well, what's your take, Joe? Yeah, similar to Dave, really. And there was another point in the Telegram. I think Kevin Ellis in the Telegram said also, sort of from the start of it, Marcus Harness sort of goes to press at the start of it when he's got no one near him. So effectively, he's easily passed around because he's, yeah, he, he goes to yeah. press on his own. So effectively, that opens it up. Then Burgess goes. Moore's, indeed, he's run off Morsey. Yeah. Clark comes in. Burns isn't able to get back with Mavadidi. And and I think like any, any goal you can see is, is generally team just a team a team issue isn't it where the team has been pulled apart slightly and when we look at the way we play and you see Wes Burns getting loads of room down the right Leif Davis popping up as a spare man on the left when he make a lung busting run they're not individual errors which cause these things it's just good it's just good play third man runs sort of quick passes quick switches and there is always going to be a spare man on the pitch somewhere and you, you see that with um the goal we scored and where Connor Chaplin pings it right over to the other side of the pitch when he drops in there. And it's just like, he knew that there was going to be one extra person pressing inside. So there's a spare man over there. And ultimately this is, it's almost like NFL like, isn't it? Where you have these plays drawn up and everyone has to know their role and pops out there. And you're just, can I reiterate, sorry to interrupt Joe. This is a team willing to put five up front and bring their goalkeeper into the back four to get get an overload. Yeah, you, you, they're, they're just looking for new ways to find overloads and you, you're not going to be able to stop a team like Leicester getting them at some point in the game. Like like teams can't stop us from getting them during the game and we'll get them, they'll get them and it's just ultimately it still takes an excellent strike from a 
tough position for the goal to go in. And that's football when you play against these quality teams. Yeah. Um, Joe, I saw Leicester on the opening day play at Coventry and they weren't really with it. You could see, I could see what, I, well, I, I knew what Maresca was going to try and do beforehand because I'd read up on him and um, the similarities with Manchester City. And they couldn't quite do it on the first day. Um, it's very easy to sit with Leicester and say they've got an incredible squad and brilliant players, which is true. And that does kind of help you when you're not purring because you you know you've just got so much quality that even if you're you're not really at it as a team, your, your quality will still get you through. I'm going to make a statement, Joe. I do one every week. Um, I think it's a favourite with the with the listeners. Um, West Brom, I still think controlled us the best out of anyone. Leeds in terms of attack, but for about 10, 15 minutes in that first half, I thought Leicester were really good, really, really good in terms of the questions they were asking us and the way they set up. And I think in possession and patterns of play, I know we're spoiled with ours. I thought they're the best team we've faced in that regard, Joe. What's your take? Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting just the way that, like we do, that they adapt during the game because... At the start of the game, you obviously had sort of George Hurst playing through the middle, Burns on the right, Davis on the left, and they were struggling to stop all three routes from us playing out. But once George Hurst went off and Caden Jackson went in, you know that Jackson isn't able to effectively drop in and start play from that position there. So they were willing to leave that that sort of central position open and totally swamp the two wide players so that you just couldn't get the ball to Burns and Davis. It's like they, they're happy to to just change mid-game and say, look, we we now l- no longer need to stop three routes out from the back. There's now only two routes out from the back and we're just going to totally stop those and leave the other one because we don't think they're going to hurt us in that one. And and when you're looking for overloads and when you're looking for sort of any small advantages, being able to just leave an option is is so key. And like I say, you just put up a comment there about how many blocks Leicester had against <laughs> us. That's that's probably the thing I've noticed more most about them when I've watched them on the TV a few times this year, is that they haven't always looked the good, that good, especially at the start of the season. But whenever they, other teams seem to get the ball in the box, they seem to have six or seven players around them and they seem to block so many shots because they seem to get bodies back so quickly into position. And when you watch the game in the crowd... It's quite frustrating because you keep having these shots, they keep getting blocked, you, you don't get shots away. And then all of a sudden I was remembering, oh, actually, yeah, but I've seen this on TV play out a lot of times. This is how they play. They they funnel you into the middle, but then they funnel you into a load of space where we, we try and funnel teams wide. They they tend to funnel centrally, get bodies there to block it. So it's sort of all interesting seeing it play out actually in-game, what you've been watching on TV. Helps when your centre backs are really good individually as well, doesn't it? Um, Dave, I'm I'm not labouring the point, I, I, but I think it's important. And you can talk about George Hurst in a minute. I think it's important because you see the upside. I did think we see four four fifth gear in the first half for about ten minutes of Leicester. I think it speaks to how well we then did in the second half. Given um, that could have gone a two three nil game mm. if they'd have had another twenty minutes like that in the. In the second half, where do you rank Leicester in with the sort of uh, teams we face, Dave? And talk to me about uh, George Hurst. Yeah, I mean, I think along the lines of what Joe said. Yeah, they, I think they're probably the best best we've seen at best we've seen at Portman Road. Um, and I think, as you said, Ben West Brom bullied us. I think more than more than anything. But yeah, for pure football, I think Matt just posted something there that 
it was real for a neutral. What a great game to watch. You know, ta- tactically astute. Yeah, they're tactically astute, both McKenna and, you know, playing the, the you know, the um, 4-2-3-1 against the 4-3-3 or the fluid 4-3-3 is a real, 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 real eye-opener and tactically fantastic to watch. Um, I mean, George Hurst, as soon as he did it, he just hyper-extended. You, I mean, you must have had a good view of that, Ben. Absolutely hyper-extended. There's no such thing as a good view of that, Dave. No, I mean, at first I thought, worse still, for Christ, if that's his knee, that's a bad one. But that's unfortunately because hamstring, you know, mild knee tweak, hamstring could be just as bad if it's if it's a proper tear. So we'll find out more. I think he's going for a scan. But, yeah, you just lose that. You lose that that focal point. Um was a surprise, perhaps Jackson came on. Came on. Don't know really. Um, you know, I think perhaps because of his pace and his energy, just to perhaps, you know, um, you know, put those centre halves, make those centre halves perhaps a little bit more comfortable than the, than the period they'd been enjoying up to then. So maybe I can see I can see something in that. Um, and I thought by and large he, he performed that role pretty well. To be fair, not really a threat, but I thought he did quite well in that in that respect. But. Yeah, as a focal point, Hurst will certainly be a certainly will be a miss, definitely. Joe, I want to go back to my point now as we get into the second half about kind of judging this not just by what we know happens in the ninety second minute. What were your thoughts at half time? Because Dave and I had a chat. I know what his were, and we were both saying just stay in the game, stay in the game. Don't let it go two three, and see if you can build up some some pressure we're not always right by the way because that's that's what happened but this could have got away from us in the second half and you can now build into a really encouraging second half performance yeah but you basically need to needed to stay one goal behind them didn't you at that worst you could because if it went to two nil you're then in similar to that Leeds game on Saturday where they can just keep picking you off on the break and ultimately we were we were causing them issues at the back when we went forward we were winning set pieces and it only takes a good set piece or a twice deflected 25 yard shot <laughs> to, to fly into the goal and all of a sudden being one goal in it and, you, and you've earned yourself a point and you just couldn't you couldn't let that chance of one point pull away from you could you and as much as you wanted to get a goal early on but I, I thought sort of for the whilst they had their spell I thought for the last sort of 20-25 minutes I thought we really took over the game and really pushed them and punish them and all the subs came on and made differences at the right time sort of physically they all came in and gave gave us a bit of a lift and for Leicester again I sort of harking back I've watched them quite a number of times on TV this year and they're a side that sort of has absolute control of these games it seems in the in the second half so they just totally stop other teams from doing anything and I, and I didn't think for probably from an hour onwards they had any real control of that game yesterday I, I, I think they were trying to get control of it and they they just couldn't get control of the game. Strange move, indeed. Did he? Did we know? Did he have an injury or something? He was he got yellow off. carded. He got yellow carded and went off he almost did. instantly after instantly, that. You're right. He got yellow carded. That was an interesting one. I mean, I can, yeah, because um, they certainly lost impetus after that. Only other point I make about yesterday: um, our corners were poor. Our set plays were poor yesterday. I thought really 11 corners. I mean, I know that there's some serious, you know, they had three centre-halves. you got Cody and Vestergaard. They're units there, but I thought our delivery from set plays yesterday was really poor. I don't know what you guys thought. We had that one the Burgess one header, didn't oh, There was one, yeah, Burgess won the near post doing? header, but I think that aside, it wasn't, not great. There was one in the first half as well, where Burns sort of gets to the ball first and tries to sort of head it across, but ends up just hitting it totally the wrong part of his head and heads it straight behind. So I guess we maybe have three or four first contacts, which is 
a help, but I don't know. I just thought the overall delivery weren't great. I thought I thought Waggon was back, Ben, for a minute. Oh, that is disgusting. (laughs) It's Christmas Day, for God's sake. Um, In the 75th minute, I sit exactly where the hard camera is at Portman Road. Keenan and Dewsbury Hall goes through, and he goes down. And I think my words with a few expletives were, oh, God, here we go. This is going to be a penalty. That was my (laughs) first instinct. I know it's easy as a football supporter, Dave, to watch it back 20 times to try and persuade yourself it wasn't a penalty. Um, What was your first instinct and your thoughts uh, since on whether Leicester had a penalty on seventy five, uh, yeah, I think was it was it is it me? Was that not fairly remarkably similar to Davis on Somerville on Saturday? It wasn't totally totally um, different from that, was it? Perhaps there was more of tangle of legs with with Davis and Somerville on Saturday, but again, if it was if it was if it was the other way around, it was Burns going through or a Chaplin or a Broadhead and Vestergaard or someone brought them down, you'd have been screaming for that one. And yeah, it, 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 yeah, this contact there, he leans on him, doesn't he? And and it's one it's one of those ones, you know, the old cliche. Certainly, certainly seen those given. Joe, you'd have had a you'd have had a pretty great view of that one, or perhaps well, forward on perhaps not quite so much, but it was um yeah, there was contact there and, and certainly again, Sky Sky being Sky, I think every every one of their punters thought it was fairly nailed on. Yeah, behind everyone around me thought it was, and I think it's just that it looks like Burgess is going to go shoulder to shoulder with him, which isn't a foul, but Dewsbury Hall just gets in front of him. So rather than being shoulder to shoulder, it's sort of shoulder into the back, effectively, isn't it? But I think maybe I I I, I personally thought it was a penalty, but I can see why it's not being given because it, it they do seem to sort of have a higher bar for. Did he need to go down for it? Was he playing for it? Did he slow himself down just to take the contact? Had him going down when Burgess clearly won the ball in the first half, got in the ref's head that he was going down quite easily. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, there's enough factors that you can see why it was given. But my view was, yeah, it probably was a penalty. I think I think you're right. I think that first half where Burgess makes a brilliant challenge, doesn't he? Clearly, clearly wins the ball. Maybe yeah, that perhaps gets into the gets into the ref's head, maybe. I'm going to go with Joe on this one because he's closer. Was it a deliberate attempt to play the ball by Burgess? Would it have been a red card or a yellow? I, I guess it was would be a red on that basis because... If it's the hand. Well, you no can't, can't try and play the ball in a shoulder-to-shoulder, can you? You're, no, I no guess, I guess. I guess there is an argument that you're going for the ball and you're just trying to have your path there. So I think a red would have been a bit harsh on it in the same way. But Leif Davis didn't get anything on Saturday, Not- did he? That was a... Could have easily been seen in the same vein, but yeah, I, I, I would have been surprised had a red come out as well. But I guess it's hard to know exactly how that double jeopardy rule works. Yeah, quite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Whether you need a VPN to protect your world online, to allow you to change your worldwide location virtually, or maybe a bit of both, NordVPN gives you the freedom to do so. NordVPN also allows you to stream TV shows, films and even sporting events which aren't available in your local region, changing to a country which is showing that content, meaning you can switch as seamlessly as a Kira McKenna in-game tactical tweak with just one click. 
But that's not all. NordVPN can also look after you while online, preventing your card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, safeguarding your personal and sensitive information from harm. Think of it as a Cyber Sam Morsey, offering protection to your own personal back four, but with far fewer yellow cards. NordVPN is available for the price of a cup of Bovril per month, and one account can be used across six different devices. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday, or click the link in the podcast description for more information about the offer and a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee trial period. You'll also be helping out the pod by subscribing. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, so you've already mentioned the subs, guys. So we get Broadhead, um, Hutchison and Luongo in around the 80-minute mark and Ladapo in. Um, and Joe, it's just a really... Uh, you, this is what you want to see from your team. When you're 1-0 down, we all say it in the stands. Oh, well, you may as well lose 2-0 down and just go for it, you know, attack. And um, I did honestly think we're not getting any from this because of the point that's already been made in the chat there individual centre-backs were so good and just, you know, maybe it's a tactical thing like you've mentioned, Joe, just blocking everything. And we just could not force that um, force that big, big opening, Joe. Did you have confidence um, as we went to stoppage time that an equaliser was coming? Um, I think the big opening, it seemed to be the one that Chaplin put over the bar. And I don't think it was as good a chance as it looked at the time from the south stand end. It looked like that was almost a clear shot of goal from about 15 yards, but it looks a lot harder when you see it back on the on the replay, but yeah, and then you sort of have that and then you get the corner in stoppage time and Hutchison and Davis try a cool. short one and all of a sudden the ball ends up behind for a goal kick and just think, this isn't going to happen. No, we really deserve something, but it isn't going to happen. And then I say it's fairly unlikely. That Cassidy that came on for them for, instead of Indeedy was a real drop-off in quality, wasn't he? And I think he... I think he's the one that sort of ends up giving the ball away for it to go out to the throw and then Morsey turns him quite easily and just drives to the ball but yeah a left foot swinger from there it really was a swinger wasn't it you don't expect that to go in but as soon as it hits the defender's head you can see the keeper on the other side of the goal <laughs> and done. it's just, it's just going right. in <laughs> yeah it was, was um, it, yeah no exactly i mean what i would say the subs the subs made hell of a difference i thought last night it just gave the team that extra lift Lift again, didn't it? Luongo, I think. Not not that Taylor had a bad game, and Taylor's certainly one that improved as the as the game went on, you know, one or two driving runs from midfield. Um, but I thought Luongo came came on and, you know, again got hold of the ball again. We started to get get a little bit more control. And Hutchinson as well, that short corner aside, Hutchinson did very well, got round for face, you know, once or twice. So <clears throat> And Broadhead had a good chance again, didn't he? Some great interplay there. And Broadhead, I think he gets that back on his right foot. He probably slots that in the far corner, but slips. Um, so the sub certainly, I think, made a difference. But uh, yeah, certainly a, a left foot swing. And what's the old sound? I think um, uh, Hermanson would have thrown his cap on it had it gone through to him. But yeah, there you go. So um, yeah, happy days. 93 plus one. Oh, my word. And the crowd erupted. Do we need to keep quiet about celebrating draws, um, Joe, after comments made on this very same podcast in the past couple of weeks? Well, I think you're still celebrating the goal at that point. You weren't celebrating oh, hanging, okay. hanging off a half an hour <laughs> to go 21 points behind your rivals. <laughs> oh, I think it, 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 was a context, it was a context last night, wasn't it? I think it was, uh, it was a relief. You know, you didn't want to go, you know, 
lose those two games without scoring as well. Um, and yeah, you know, you know, the bubble's burst, bubble's gone, they've gone, this is it, you know, just wait for it. We knew it was coming. But that, I think, in the overall scheme of things, is, will prove to be a really, really important point last night. Final summings up on Leicester, Joe? Yeah, just a good game. A, a game that we got out of it what we deserved and I think it was a performance as well that was, should really make people sit up and take note that we're not going anywhere this year and I think there was good performance all over the pitch but I think especially one noted about was sort of how good Luke Wolfenden was last night mm. playing in that that centre role <laughs> effectively just being there against that team in transition just stopping everything and being everywhere and passing from the back. I thought that was a real sit up and be noticed performance by him. And that would have, like I say, he looked, he looked every inch of Premier League defender I thought last night. And that's probably the best he's played when he's, he's, he almost needs to be really pushed to play better, doesn't he? And I thought he was really on his game last night. Dave, I mean, um, I think, I think they'll win, they'll win the league at a canter. There's no doubt about that. How can they not? If, if yeah. they don't, something's yeah. gone severely no, wrong no. there. Yeah. But Dave, a um, bit of messaging, I thought, from Kieran McKenna. I think he sounded a bit fed up of people saying that he should have been more defensive at Leeds and was very keen in all of his post-match interviews. And I have listened to all of them to say, no, this is the way we want to play. And that's vindication because we did it against Leicester and we've got a, we've got a point. Absolutely. Absolutely, superbly well. I think brave, brave with the ball, brave on the ball is the is 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 the phrase, and we we certainly were right right through the piece last night. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, there were times in the second half when you think, surely we're not going to play. Surely, like he's got he's got to chip it into midfield here, or chip it, try and chip it to Jackson or something like that. No, Get no, Naylor on. Absolutely. That, that no, so it was Cladke was running back to our own goal and then he just like does a sort of left foot nutmeg through the striker. The there it is. There it is. Then comes back oh, and picks the ball God, up right, again me. on the other side and it's just just ridiculous. And one where he sort of saves it from going out for the corner and he's sort of diving there. Like he's just uh, I thought considering Hermanson has been so highly rated and has had a really good season for Leicester, but it was a, what, seven, eight million pound strike and um, goalkeeper. I thought Hladke's distribution was much better than his last no, night. Super. Yeah. Much? I thought much better than his. Joe. Yeah, I thought he was, I, I thought he played well, but I thought distribution, I'm not talking about the whole all round goalkeeping performance, but just on the ball, I thought Hladke was in a different class. Interesting. Um, right, let's get across it because we need to. We've got preview QPR in this podcast as well. So let's immediately go to a word from our sponsors at Innovation Labs and we'll get into what else went down in the championship yesterday. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge, with more to follow. Oh, foot mob is totally brutalising me here. It was working. It's not working anymore. So I think I've got sofa score up. As we look through the rest of the um, round 24 goings on, um, and as usual, lads, uh, pick out anything you particularly want to. Commentary 2, Wednesday nil. Rotherham 1, Middlesbrough nil. Have a bit of fun if you want to look at the XG on that game. Uh, Watford won Bristol City 4. Um, Bristol City moving nicely under Liam Manning. 
Hull nil, Sunderland one. They are back in the playoffs. If you were to finish third, you might play Sunderland. West Brom one, Norwich nil, Southampton five, Swansea nil. That is 16 undefeated for Southampton in this crazy, crazy season, which feels a lot like last season in terms of the promotion race. Um, it seems to be that whatever standard you set, someone will keep chasing you. Uh, Birmingham one, Stoke three. Another start for Stansfield. He doesn't seem to be being phased out there in any way, shape or form. Um, I must have missed a couple of games off there. We missed the Leeds one. I need to press previous <laughs> here. Where's Footmob when you need it, uh, Dave? There we go. Preston two. Leads one significant uh, red card there for Melier as well. So I assume he's got some kind of um, suspension for the heinous crime of putting his hand in somebody's face. Uh, Millwall two, QPR nil, um, which has some significance, obviously, for our next game. Cardiff two, Plymouth two, Huddersfield three, Blackburn nil. Where did that come from? Uh, anything you want to pick out there, Dave? Um, I mean, there's obviously the obvious one. <laughs> there's the obvious one. The um, yeah, the the Leeds one. I don't think uh, I don't think Fark would be very um, very pleased with his goalkeeper there. To be fair, it was a fairly. I, I watched watched bits of that on and off, and it was sort of pretty even game right the way through. On a fairly pitch looked a bit dreadful actually, but um, two really good goals from Preston. Great header from Brown, and then James gets a very, very dubious penalty, I've got to say. But, um, my God, the winner from Miller was an absolute thronker, wasn't he? Cuts inside and absolutely hammers it in the far corner. So, yeah, after all the um, after all the, uh, the to-and-in throwing um, on, our pod on, um, on our pod on Sunday, uh, there you go, um, I think seven points, then became eight after last night. Did indeed. Uh, Joe, a word on Southampton I think might be important. Yeah, they are rolling, aren't they? And they are the big winners of this period. And whilst we sort of feel in a sort of positive frame of mind because we got the point from Leicester yesterday and it felt a big point, ultimately at the start of this weekend, we had a 10-point lead to um, third and it's now been cut in half to five points, hasn't it? So that's a big, big change. And Southampton's got quite a good run coming up over the next sort of eight, nine games. So it's really important that we, if we can sort of, Still be in the top two at the end of January transfer window. I think we're in a superb position, but we that's a that's a long way away as things stand at the moment. I believe they've got Norwich next. I think they've got on the Norwich. They went, yeah, I they went to favours. Um, <laughs> never been said on this podcast before. Um, do you want to look back at what the hateful eight predictions were then, guys? Because this has actually been um recorded, and this is what we said before this horrible run of games. Um, so we, in the end, did score 14 points. So you can see I'm out by two there, underestimated it. So I'm happy. Uh, Joe overestimated it. So he's probably unhappy with three off Joe's <laughs> 17 there. Mikey's one under. So he's the closest so far. Dave is grumpy like me. But look at Craig and Seb there. Slugs. Look at it. They've both got it right there. 14 points. They're 1.8 per game. Richard is one off as well um i know um football's not played on paper it's played on grass dave but we have literally apart from southampton played all of the parachute teams in this run dave and we've played away at watford middlesbrough west brom and leeds so uh, you get you get these blooming luddites that i just want to swear at the go 
You just play, you play every team twice, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, but if you get horrible runs, you can really, really lose lose momentum um, there. So really pleased to have this over, Dave. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely superb. I mean, I think I think those four wins, that that, that was a real character of the side after after the really, what well, let's face it, you know, the disappointing result against West Brom where we were completely really outplayed and as we said, you know, bullied perhaps out of that game. Um, I think we, we I think we sat on this pod on that Sunday saying, oh, these next two games are important. They're very winnable games, which I think were, well, it was Millwall and Coventry at home, wasn't it? Very winnable games, but crikey, if we do win them, that really shows some character because we were beaten up at West Brom, no doubt about it. That and we beat them, and then to to then go on to Middlesbrough and Watford was just just incredible. Leading up to the leading up to the Norwich game, and I think I posted earlier probably the the biggest outlier in all those results amongst us. I guess most majority of us would have had us down for a win at home against Norwich, but obviously we know it wasn't it wasn't to be. But yeah, fourteen points from that from that run of matches is absolutely superb. And now we played you know we played Leeds twice. We've got one game out of the way against Leicester, so brilliant. Super. Uh, Joe, your take? Yeah, well, you look at that eight-game period, which everyone said, oh, this is when Ipswich is going to fall away. We've picked up the equivalent of an 83-point season over that period. So even in that, we're still like automatic promotion chasing form, even in that period of eight games there. Like I say, I think we're still on track for over 100 points. We're still not going anywhere. So it is a real good position to be. This, t- this team is is on its way, isn't it? And it's just... Are we going to be able to accumulate enough points to hold off the two two teams below us? Is the real question, isn't it? That's the only real question now. Excellent. Right. Speaking of questions, get your questions in. Stick a Q in and a question mark before. Just a little apology there, if you were in any way offended by the little impression I did a minute ago. There was no ill feeling or harm intended. I know people get upset by those sort of things, and I regret doing that. So um, I do apologise sincerely. Please don't cancel me. And get your questions in right now. Where shall we look? Um, let's start with John here. Um, and we'll go to Dave. Uh, rather than replace Morsi for QPR, do you think we go with Taylor and Luongo and trust them? I've not been blown away by Ball as a holding midfielder either last season or this season when he's come on. Well, Joe sort of touched on this earlier, where whereby I think he said that perhaps um, he sees Luongo and Taylor as the left left side of the central two and perhaps ball and Morsey the right side um I think yeah I think personally against QPR I'd go with I'd go with Taylor and Luongo I think it will be will it be correct me if I'm wrong it will be a first start in the middle would it would, would that they start the, yeah they must have started in the middle but no they wouldn't have done would they no because Evans yeah Evans played at Huddersfield so it'll be it'll be a new pairing but I think I think those two could those two should be able to work I, I would have thought against QPR should be okay for that I would have thought they're not a particularly strong team in the middle of the park QPR no, they're not. Are they? they've, they've got they've got decent players like chair and Willick but central midfield they're quite a lightweight team there well, they've got young Andres in central mid, isn't he? Young Andre Field, will be there. Feels good. I mean, we'll talk about QPR. Feels good, yeah. Minute, but um, uh, Joe, Neil, uh, Hurst injury has now made striker even more important. So glad it's happened now and not a month ago. Every cloud, Joe. I don't think it's even more important. I think we all knew how important this was straight away. It's been, it's been blind and the obvious that we've left ourselves short, really, in this role, in the same as we did last sort of last summer window where we signed sort of a had May right at the end and we were just waiting to January to try and get a strike in. It, it feels like we've been doing that the whole way through. Ladapo was fine in League One, was good in League One, 
but we needed somebody to rotate with him. Now we're in the position where Hurst is good in the championship, but we're desperate for someone to rotate in with him. So it's been massive. But yeah, with Scarlett going back, and obviously we're not really putting too much of a fight up on that, it seems. And Hurst injured, we are, we're, we're too short now, aren't we? We're, we're, yeah. we're very, one very, very much short, and even the sort of young, low-knee backup short as well, or, or someone like a Jay Stansfield who can pay nine or in any of the other roles as well. Uh, Dave, Matt, question Jackson or Ladapo to start versus QPR. It's a different question now, actually, because it's a different different brief. Um, you know, chase around after Leicester for 90 minutes. Yeah, I like wouldn't Jackson be surprised. Did. I wouldn't be surprised if Ladapo started against QPR, actually. Yeah, I think wouldn't surprise me. It's a game where we'd expect uh, to sort of dominate possession and try yeah. and get the ball into his feet more, isn't it, yep. as opposed to be chasing the ball around. So, yeah, I'd, I'd you, probably expect it to be him. You would have thought so. Um, a couple of people are asking about the possibility of Broadhead playing up top. I don't really see McKenna. I think he'd go with a specialist, wouldn't he, Joe? Yeah, I, I don't think Broadhead's got the athleticism to do what we need to do up front. That's a real that's a real heavy role to play up there as a striker. And he struggles to get through games even from a – even in a role on the sort of left-hand side where he can, where he's sort of given license to drift in and out of the game. I think if anyone was to play up there, almost someone like Marcus Harness would be a better bet than Nathan yeah. Broadhead because he's got the physicality to get around up there. But I don't know. We'll see. But I, I can't see any of the Chaplin or Broadhead or Burns going up there. I think it would be Jackson Ladapo. And like I say, if it was anyone else, I think Harness is probably the most physically suited to that role. I always read Norman's question, Dave. Um, surely in January we signed two strikers. What type of strikers do we go for? Um, number nine, a reverse versatile striker who can play in a number of positions, but it's not as good as Hurst in the number nine role. Well, look, I mean, these names have been bandied about before, but, you know, you're talking those those two are number nine or a versatile, you're talking perhaps Colby Bishop and a Jay Stansfield. There you go. There's two. There's two names that have been bandied about before. So that perhaps wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Personally, I'd, I'd love to find a space in our team for Morgan Whitaker somewhere, but I'm not <laughs> sure that I'm not sure that will happen. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, incoming bid from Stoke now. Do we think? Well, we'll be we'll be seeing Mr. Schumacher um, very very we soon, will. won't we? But sooner than that, right? So. It's Wednesday today, and it's the 27th. We play on the 29th, so that would be Friday <laughs> is when we play QPR. Now, this game has changed in difficulty, I I think, because they were um, a very different-looking outfit under Ainsworth. I'm not saying that um, they've had some kind of splurge of points now and, you know, they're much, much better, but it's a different challenge than it would have been um, under Ainsworth, and obviously we won that game at. Um, but, but I think Loftus if you look at the form, Road. Ben, the last, the last, they haven't scored in the last three games. They've, they've stopped off, creating. They? They've stopped creating. They almost look blunter than they did under Ainsworth in the last two or three games. After a big boost when he left, they look really solid after he left. But they've really hit a wall. When he, in the I, last I, few I looked games. at this earlier. I looked at this earlier when he left at the end of October. Um, they're just on the back of six straight defeats, I think, and they were five. They were. I think six points adrift of Huddersfield. So 10 games in under the new man. <laughs> they've, um, I think they've obviously they won a few games. They won three on the spin, didn't they? Then um, then just lost three on the spin. And they're now in exactly the same position, but only now are five points adrift of five points adrift of safety. So not too much has changed, other than obviously they have had the three wins. 
Yeah, so you're right, Dave. And um, obviously that swung three points on Saturday, but Saturday, whatever day of the hell of the day of the week it was when we when we played. But we've said this a million times on the pod. Um, three points is a big swing um, down at the bottom of the table because uh, teams record points so, so slowly. And we could almost, Joe, be having the same conversation that we would have been having under Mark Warburton in 21-22 QPR when they were um, challenging quite um, handily at the top of the seven. He got up to third place maybe two, three months out. That was the season where Huddersfield ended up taking third. And uh, the comment was always, Joe, if Willock and Chair both play and they both play well, QPR have got a chance. And you're almost still saying the same thing now. Yeah, basically. I just wonder, there's a little bit of talk of one of those two leaving with regards to sort of trying to free up some funds in January to try and shape the squad a little bit just to balance it out. So maybe it's, uh, what do you call it, um, the chance that they don't play chair, they they're trying to, they they might get a deal lined up from a need the fee or something like that for him. I don't think they played. Um, they didn't play Willock last night today, and, and he, he was on the bench, didn't come on, and they were only sort of one nil down for most of the second half. Do you think you'd get Chris Willock on, wouldn't you? So whether he's not quite fit or whether he's maybe one that's being sacrificed in the January window, it's are hard you, to tell, isn't it? Are you saying Joe that chair might sit it out? <laughs> it's awful. It's absolutely awful, Dave. Get onto your phone for goodness' sake. Um, <laughs> Stop it. Um, but Dave, I'm I'm always one to kind of be a, be a bit cautious. But given what's happened and what we just discussed about Leicester, this is just a game after the hateful eight. You just have to win this game now, don't you? Yeah, any any old messy old one nil, any old win will will do, won't it? Yeah, especially without our talisman of the captain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's quite interesting with QPR. Yeah, Will it, Willicks, it just hasn't been a regular, has he? Whether he has had, I'm, I'm not sure whether he has had, um, Seb, Seb should be, Seb should be sitting there, shouldn't he, with his intrinsic, um, forensic, intrinsic forensic um, research. But whether he's been injured or not, I don't know, but he's certainly been in and out of the team. And I saw um, Armstrong was fit, who causes no end of problems oh, God, at, yeah. um, at Loftus Road. He was on the bench yesterday. Um Interesting enough, both didn't come on yesterday. So they both they got Willock on the bench, Armstrong on the bench. Both didn't come off the bench at all at Millwall. So that was a bit odd in itself, I thought, when looking back at looking back at what happened yesterday. But there is a threat. I mean, that chair is a really, really talented. I quite like um as you said, I quite like I quite like um field. And the other is it Smith, the other wide sort of wide midfield always looks quite Paul useful. Smith, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, always looks quite useful to me. So and you know, you know, you know what Dizel's about. He's got a, you know, give him time. He's got a, he's got a pass, hasn't he? He's got he's got awareness. He's got vision. So um, yeah, it's not going to be again with that, with that old cliche in the championship. No game's an easy game. It's not going to be an easy game. But I think you know, on paper, it's a game I'd expect us to win. But looking at their side, they've certainly got players in that squad that can cause problems. Uh, Joe, what's your eleven for this one then? Um, I'd probably keep it. As much, as much the same as you can do across the across the back of the pitch. Um, maybe a chance Brandon Williams might come no. in. He hasn't had a game for a little while, but I, I, I expect him not to. I expect to see Harry Clark playing then. I would probably go Luongo and Taylor, but I could understand going Ball and Taylor or Ball and Luongo in there. And maybe you want Broadhead to come back in because this is a game where you need to try and pick them as opposed to press them, which Harness did so well. And maybe a game even for Hutchinson to give Burns a rest. So it's it's one of those ones where I could see quite a few changes as we try and manage the squad through this period. But I think we should have enough to beat them. But it's like you say, it's, 
this is the championship now. This isn't League One when you're playing the bottom teams in this league. You look and you see, like I say, if you see Ilya's chair and Chris Willick on the opposition team sheet, <laughs> you you know you're not in for an easy game. No. And I think um, I think with Morsey not, I think Luongo, especially as he didn't start, Luongo's short to start, isn't he? I think it's just whoever plays alongside him. I wonder if you go Ball and Luongo, two ex-QPR players, just to there you go. sort of have that little bit of extra... I remember QPR beating us when Holloway was the manager oh. and Luongo playing quite well. Where does this stand, Joe, on your rotation scale? Because you're normally talking about the um, the middle game of the three, but it's like we've got we've got four here now, so there could be a big rotate, couldn't they, before the trip to Stoke? Yeah, but it was three changes last night, wasn't it? I wonder whether it's three changes again today but three different changes if that makes sense for the next game to try and make sure nobody plays sort of too many minutes over the Christmas period but we know Burgess for example is off after the Stoke game so you just you probably just flog him a little bit to be fair because he's probably going to go to Australia and not play a lot of football for a month so there's no point sort of trying to manage his minutes on that side. You think Williams might get a game tomorrow on Friday? Difficult to know what's going on with him at the moment isn't there because he seems to be in one minute and out the next and he's been out for quite a long time and Harry Clark's taken his opportunity I think so I, I don't personally see Williams coming back in but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised by anything really in this <laughs> out, out of our squad of players I wouldn't be surprised if any of the changes are made yeah you're probably right yeah yeah it's, it's weird because we've been talking about this hard run of um games day but I'm still feeling just need to get through to the end of the Stoke game and you get the we, we, we said at um time looking ahead of the last international break that the FA Cup weekend is almost like another international break. So even though you've yes. run through this um run of eight hard games, still get through this next two and the challenge well, think, is four four to six points, isn't it? Joe? I think so. Get through you've got the you know the Wimbledon game which look yeah okay it's the FA Cup but we've we've seen the sides we can put out in the you know in the in the Carabao Cup that it's going to be a whatever side we put out is going to be competitive and should should be good enough for there um, and it gives you fourteen days to get stuck into the window as well so you know if we can do if we are going to do business which I think there's no doubt we are if we can get that done early that perhaps gives you um, time on the training ground for any um, any newcomers before um, I should know but I can't recall what is the next game coming up after Stoke. Someone will shout. Someone will just put it down there in a minute. It's a big silence. I think Joe's going to get there first. Bins, I don't have foot mob today. And uh, oh, my, my, my internet's going to go slow, but and, it and is. And confiscated my phone. I confiscated your phone, Dave. It did. Um, yeah, it's um, well, Sunderland at home. Oh yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, and then so, and then back to Leicester. And then Leicester again, isn't it? Yeah, crikey. Doesn't get any easier, does it? There we go. Um, right, guys, I think that'll just about do us for our um, our pod for today. Now, what is the schedule here? Because we've got, we've got another show tomorrow. No. Is it- we, are we going out after the QPR game? I can't even remember what we agreed. Yeah, I think we're going out after yeah. the QPR game. Yeah, it's a, one, it's a post-match after QPR, yeah. There we go. Right, live post-match reaction after the full-time whistle at QPR. Um, and then on the second, we'll do the same thing. So we've basically got three shows like this in a row where, because we're so thick and fast at this time of year, we have to review a game, preview a game, and on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. There we go. Um, guys, uh, I'm sure we'll reflect there's, you know, one more game on this magnificent year. Um, and we've done plenty of that already. But Joe, last word from you with one game of 2023 to go. 
What a year. David Diamond, uh, you can have more than three words that Joe has. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks. I just want to ask Joe, how did the Sprouts Gratin go down? Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah, it was it was good stuff. Maybe a little, maybe overdid the cheese as well. So it oh. meant that everybody liked it, but it was good. But yeah, like, as, as Joe said, what a year! You know, if we can have a year half as good as two thousand and twenty-three, I think we might just do it. I think we might just do it. Unbelievable scenes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, stick with us while the schedule's completely up in the air. We'll still try and keep the podcast coming, and we'll see you on it's Wednesday. Friday, did we say Friday? Friday night, the 29th, after the QPR game, when it will be a day that ends in Y. There'll be lots of football matches, and we're going to talk about the one Ipswich playing. Over now. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.